Today's episode is brought to you by Canvas. Do you know how long it takes you to measure and model an as-built? Probably more time than you'd like. Canvas replaces hours of manual measuring with a few minutes of scanning with your iPhone or iPad. And Canvas eliminates the hours, if not days, of taking your measurements and turning them into a 3D as-built or 2D floor plan, all for pennies per square foot. You can try Canvas for free and download it at www.canvas.io and make sure to use promo code BF23. That's www.canvas.io and promo code BF23. All right, now back to the show. Hey, I'm Spencer Powell, and welcome to Remodeler Stories, where we highlight remodelers. Every remodeler has a unique story and journey, and we can all learn from each other. Stay tuned for a mix of inspiration, tactical tips, unique strategies, and some laughter. The remodeling business is tough, but rewarding, and we're all in this together. Let's kick this thing off. Before we get into today's show, let's talk about our show sponsor, Remodeler Growth Community. Remodeler Growth Community is a peer-to-peer networking group exclusively for remodelers. For a low monthly fee, you get access to some of the best minds in the industry, life-changing business strategies, and the ability to connect and learn from people who've walked the path you walk. Go to remodelercommunity.com to enroll today. 100% satisfaction guaranteed or your money back, so there's absolutely no risk to you. Go to remodelercommunity.com to enroll today. Today, I sit down with Stephen Sardone of Sardone McLean. And when you meet Stephen, you'll immediately know he loves to learn about everything, new ways to build something, features and amenities in bathrooms, how to run a more earth-conscious business, and where to get the best taco in East and South Dallas. His love for learning is born from Stephen's desire to bring the best to his homeowners. And for each person, the best looks different, which is a fact that he loves. Now for my conversation with Stephen Sardone. Hey, Stephen, welcome to the show. Thank you, Spencer. I appreciate it. Yeah. Well, give everyone a little bit of context. Who are you? What's the company name and where are you guys located? Stephen Sardone. Our company is Sardone McLean. We're in Dallas, Texas, signed Bell Remodeling Company. We were Sardone Construction up until a little over a year ago. And an employee by the name of Brian McLean, who'd been with me a long time, came on as a partner. And so now we're Sardone McLean. Brian and I have known each other for a little over 20 years. We actually worked at, we were maintenance guys at a church a long, long time ago. While we were both in seminary, we would carpool. And I always had my little construction company. And I asked him a hundred times to join me and he said no. And I think one day I asked him long after seminary and he said, okay. (laughs) So nine years later, he became a partner. (laughs) There you go. Nice. (laughs) So was it nine years ago that you started the company or? No, it was just nine years ago. He came on and brought brought some organization (laughs) to the table. Right on, right on. So when did the company actually start? Well, I started in the industry in like 2000, 2001. And then I went out on my own in 07. Good timing right there, huh? (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, That's what everybody says, but I needed so little. I was still a student. I was still a grad student. So I wasn't trying to support a family or buy fancy cars or or boats or anything like that. I just wanted to like make enough to pay my bills and 
go to class and have enough time to read the assignments and write my papers. And I always, back then and even today, by industry standards, we've always done kind of small projects. What changed along the way is I didn't like how me and the clients were the designers. And I didn't like how I had no way of knowing when the next project was coming. I was writing estimates for free all day, when they would sign, if they would sign, when they would communicate. I remember following up with one guy for 10 months for a shower. (laughs) And they're like, why'd you go with us? He's like, yeah, you were consistent. (laughs) Persistent is what Brian would say. I So I started teaming up with architects and designers and networking with that group because their designs look better than what me and the clients were coming up with. Their projects were a little more guaranteed, right? People were investing more upfront versus just getting a free estimate and saying yay or nay. But then their projects were bigger. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of was where we evolved into design build. And we did that for a lot of years with outside architects and designers. So it was really great. But we got to a point where we just couldn't control the process like we wanted to. And so then we brought it in-house about six or seven years ago. And that really changed a lot of things. I still wasn't controlling the process as much as I thought I would, but um, that takes time. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, walk me back to the beginning a little bit. You said you you didn't need a lot. It was kind of 07, you're going to school. Like, What was the first one or two years like for you? You know, it's funny. I remember them exactly. First two or three years, I think my paycheck ended up one year was $11,000. The next year was $14,000. I think I had two years in a row like that. This was all while I was in school. And then I graduated. And then the next year, I think I made like 42, 45,000 bucks. And I got married. My sales went to like half a million that year. Mm. And I didn't even make $60,000. And I'm like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Like I'm, I'm working all the hours possible. It's my first year of marriage. She was a, a postdoc. So she was working a lot too. So it worked out. But I was like, there's no, I, you know, I'm already working a hundred hour weeks. And I had, I brought on an, an assistant that year to kind of help out with some of the other stuff. And I just didn't know how I would make more money because there was no more time to build more stuff. And I joined Home Builders Association in Dallas. But it was in Plano, so I never went to the meetings. <laughs> and but they had Victoria and Rose from Remodelers Advantage did a little session, and I went to that. It's the only thing I went to with the Home Builder Association, and they said, "Oh, we have a little conference up in Baltimore or whatever." And I'm like, "Oh, this Remodelers Advantage. This is what I need. I, I have no help. I had no knowledge of, of how to do anything. I was just kind of winging it." And asking other contractors. And, you know, some contractors are really good at sharing. Most contractors feel like they have the, some sort of secret that if they let it out, it'll hurt them personally. But you had to have, you had to have like a million in revenue before you could go to their event. And I had like half million. And then the next year I had like 844. I was heading towards what I thought was a million, or maybe it was two years later. I don't remember which. And I called. And I think Doug picked up the phone. I said, hey, I, I don't have a million. I think I'm going to, I don't think I'm going to have a million this year, but I think I'll have one next year. Can I join now? And they're like, yeah, we'll take your money. And this was after I had already gone to kind of the two-day event a couple of years prior. That was neat. It was like the first work trip I ever did. 
That's cool. Yeah. But I joined and, 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 and immediately, you know, if you're, if you've done it, you're like, oh, they're like, oh, what are you charging? You tell them they're like, why? And they're like, you're not charging enough. I'm like what? But, but my clients told me to charge this much. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, okay, but it's good. Great community, really great to normalize a lot of the common mistakes. Nice to meet a lot of people like you're not in this industry unless you really, really care about people and helping them and remodeling. You know what I mean? It's, it's too hard if you don't like people. So it's nice to meet a lot of like-minded people there. But I did that for a long, long time and it was great. And then we actually, I think a number of years ago or three years ago, I thought about, should I full, call it a day? Should I fold it up? Should I do something else? Yes. Why did you hit that point? Why yeah, was so that going through your head? Yeah, I have. I'm really good at the stuff I'm really good at, and I'm really bad at the stuff I'm really good at. I'm not like even. <laughs> yeah, you're all in to either one, right? <laughs> yeah, and I kept trying to make the things I was really good at make it so that the things I was really bad at weren't a problem, and that never worked. It's kind of like you can't sell yourself out of a problem. You can't sell yourself out of revenue problems or bookkeeping problems as much as you might try. And so I, somebody was, had bought a franchise and they, they were a big talker and they kind of pitched it like, this is going to make all your problems go away. And they didn't say it quite that way, but like, and also that's what I wanted to believe. Right. And so I got really excited blah, blah, and then I started digging in and it's like, it's not really true. I don't know that that's the case. I think maybe some of the things would have been helped, but there would have been new things. And so I went down that whole path and I was ready to sign. And then I kept exploring and I decided this wasn't right. And right at the end, I ended up hiring a coach, Mark Richardson. And I, I called him kind of desperate. I'm like, help me figure this out. But I would kind of already made up my mind. I just needed someone to say, yeah, that's, that's right. And it immediately shifted away from that into... Well, I've kind of gone through this whole, and, and the, I was going to actually be a partner too. So the guy selling the franchise wasn't just wanting to be to buy one of the main ones. He wanted me to buy his and become his partner and him fade out. And hmm. so that kind of got me thinking about a partnership and all that as well. And I started thinking, and I've always thought Brian would one day be the general manager, so on and so forth. But it's like, when do you make them that, right? Like, oh, we have to have do this much. We have to do this. Like, eh, I need somebody who I can't afford to leave. I need him to take kind of the ownership mentality and responsibility. I need a partner. I need help. I need to be able to focus on what I'm doing. I need him to focus on the other things. And so with Mark's help, we kind of went from talking about being partners one day to closing the deal. And it took six, seven, eight, nine months. I don't know. But it was very, very good. And it's been 14 months since we kind of inked the paper. The first three months, I was, in, I was very happy because I thought everything's perfect. I never have to do anything again. And then the next couple of months, I had to reset my expectations. Not to mention, we had a really weird year. We had like a, a ton of design signs and then very few got built. Mm, yeah. We replaced every person in our company last year also. Wow. We moved office locations. We created positions that didn't previously exist. So there was a lot. There was so much, you know, it's like, oh, you look backwards, like there's a lot going on. 
<laughs> you made just a couple of little changes there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But thing it's, it's very good. I feel like we're both creative weirdly, but he's also very process oriented. And so it's allowed us both to kind of flourish personally and mentally and emotionally and creatively. Yeah. Yeah. That's super cool. Well, I'm curious as you kind of reflect back on that journey, like you've had some different pivot points, like what do you think surprised you the most about being a business owner and running your own business? The the funny thing is I didn't consider myself a business owner for a very long time. I was like, this is just the thing I do. It's not who I am. Which is, you know, I, I think a lot of people are like, no, this is who I'm not very proud of that. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, and I, if I had known what it took, I don't know that I ever would have done it. And I probably, most people would say that. But, you know, you got to be a little hard-headed and a little narcissistic to be a business owner. But it's taught me a lot too. You know, I pushed myself more than I thought I could go to to keep being positive, but to also find how to balance being realistic with that. You know, I, I think like you really can't do it on your own. You kind of has to. You have to constantly be asking for help and giving help. So it's construction. So I thought like, oh, I, I get a job, I build it, I paid, I'm done. And it's a bit more than that. <laughs> Yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Well, you mentioned it was like, it's one of those things where you maybe wouldn't have gotten into it if you would have known how hard it would be. And that resonates with me in a lot of ways. What do you think is maybe one of the toughest parts of running a business? You know, I'll add one more thing to that last question. I think we've worked since I was 12, whether I had uh, lawn mowing jobs in the summer but also I worked at the, the church I grew up at. We had to do a setup every weekend and tear down because it was a church school situation. My mom owned a, a house cleaning service. I worked for her in the summers. I cleaned commercial properties at night, you know, like fitness centers and office complexes and stuff like that. So I think working is just life. Like that's, that's what you do. Working for an employer was unique to me. I got fired at most of the jobs (laughs) I had because I just was pretty clueless. You know, I had one job where they literally had nothing for me to do, but it was data entry. I worked for a big company and two ladies said, we need an assistant, but there was no work. So I would just sleep at my desk. Well, you know what? That is not kosher. So I got fired from that job. I thought I wanted to open a coffee shop one day. I worked a lot of coffee shops, really enjoyed that, but narrowly got fired from all of them, I think, for one dumb reason or another. But it was, it was dumb stuff. You know, it wasn't like being late or not, or, or being bad with the tail or clients or, or whatever. It was, you know, I don't even remember, but I got in trouble at, at all these things. And I think one of the things I learned and about or having my own business is I just, it never occurred to me that I would ever work for anybody else. Mm. So, and I think once you own your own business, you just think of everything and everyone very differently. Like, no, that's 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 my name. I want to make this right. I have the opportunity to make it right. That's double-headed sword because you can you can go overboard and kill your business because you you want to make people happy, and that's not really our job. Our job is to do the thing they ask, and hopefully they'll be satisfied. But some people aren't going to be happy. And so you can spin your wheels 
trying to to be friends and friendly and 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 make people happy. And it's like, well, that's not that's not what they hired you to do. They didn't hire you to be their friend or to make them happy. They hired you to do a job. So do that and aim for satisfaction in that. And well, I learned along the way, it's not about being the best craftsman as much as it's about doing a good job at setting proper expectations. And that's, I think, the biggest learning curve. You can be the best carpenter in the world and still have an unhappy client. Yeah, it's, it's for sure. Yeah, that whole expectation setting is, I think, even if you value it, it's undervalued. Like, it's so important. <laughs> so, Yeah. Hey guys, I know that if you listen to Builder Funnel Radio, you are hyper aware of the fact that the way people shop and buy, it's changed dramatically over the years. And for the last 10 years, really since I started doing all this, helping my uncle's remodeling division scale up from about 2 million to 10 million, We've been helping remodelers and builders and contractors all over the country really refine their marketing systems. And I recently decided to kind of bottle all of that up into my first book. And that book is called The Remodeler Marketing Blueprint. And you can pick up a copy by going to the website, remodelermarketingblueprint.com. You can also search for it on Amazon or wherever books are sold online. But I highly recommend you go over to the website because we've got some cool book bonuses that go along with that if you pick up a few extra copies for your friends and colleagues or your teammates. So it would mean a lot to me if you've been listening to this podcast for a while or even just a few episodes, if you've ever gotten any value out of it, head over to remodelermarketingblueprint.com and snag your copy today. All right, let's get back to the show. So the next one was just, what do you think is the the toughest part about being in business for yourself? I think trying to, the short version is all of it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hiring and managing people is a real, real challenge. Yeah. Uh, this last year, we started using a recruiter, which really elevated our game. It was not a silver bullet or golden nail or whatever. It wasn't like everybody they brought on was perfect, but they were able to bring us they were able to save us a lot of time, bring us very high caliber people that we were able to choose from. But then I have to manage these people and keep them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Yep. So I think that I think constantly kind of thinking about how to make your business better for everybody involved. One of our core beliefs is that Sardone McLean should benefit everybody who's a part of it, not just the owners. Right. It's not okay that the clients pay all the money, the employees do all the work, and the owners spend all their time vacationing. So right now we're kind of looking into this four-day work week thing and 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 how does that work for construction and and how do we how do we continue to make a better company? Prior to the pandemic, the thing I heard from lots and lots of seasoned builders was you don't have to pay people a lot, you just have to create a good environment, you do incentives, do bonuses, blah, 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 but keep the base low. I don't think that crap works anymore. People aren't putting up with it. They don't want to work a million hours, they want to get paid well. They don't want to go to all your dumb company events. <laughs> so pick a few. They're not looking for a family. They're looking for a nice place to work. Even if it is a career, they're happy to stay there, but there's a lot more. No, let's get some things straight. My pay needs to be commensurate with my worth and the value I bring. And people are not as incentivized by bonus structures as a typical owner thinks. I think a typical owner is incentivized by money. 
And they're usually in sales. And salespeople are typically 100% commission. Designers aren't. (laughs) Yeah. Office managers aren't. Project managers aren't. That's why they work for you. And so to kind of apply that incentive-based structure across the board, I I feel is we've tried it lots and lots of ways. And also, I think we've just learned like that's it's it's a rare thing. And the salary, the base needs to be appropriate all by itself. It needs to be able to stand alone. Yeah. Yeah. I know the whole, the whole people part of business. I mean, you could look at all the people, right? The clients, the subs, and then your staff, but just the, yeah, the hiring training, keeping and building, you know, that internal team is super challenging and it's never ending too. Shifting gears a little bit in construction, there's always like crazy client stories, wacky projects, you know, something that goes haywire. Anything coming to mind that you can share with us? Obviously, leaving out names and personal details and that sort of thing. I'm going to give you names, addresses. Beautiful. Yeah, let's dig into it. Yeah, I'm taking notes. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you this. So we had a very, 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 very bad client. And they sued us. And it took five years. And they... I wouldn't say anybody won. They definitely didn't win. They had to, they paid their attorneys more than the settlement they got from our insurance company. The mental and emotional toll it took on me personally was awful. That toll, it's not like, oh, what happens at work stays work. No, that comes home and I talk to my kids shitty sometimes. Sorry, can I say shitty? Yep, you're good to go. <laughs> and while that was happening, but I wouldn't trade it. I learned a lot. I'm seeing a lot more leads today saying, this is not our first rodeo. We had to sue our builder. A lot more than I've ever seen. And I don't think it's because I experienced a lawsuit. But what I'm able to say is, well, tell me about that. And I have no problem asking that question. And what I find is, most of the time, builder needed to be sued. And so we're able to say, well, let's talk about that. And we're not running away from people who sued a builder once. Yeah, And we're doing a job right now on a three and a half million dollar, four million dollar house. And the person who built it should be in prison. <laughs> I mean, it is awful. And so I think, so that client kind of was like the gold standard of evil. Mm-hmm. And for a while, I thought everybody might be that person. <laughs> and, yeah. I was I was a very bad salesman for a whole year because I was afraid everyone was the devil. And what I realized is no, only the devil's the devil. Like this one was unique. They were uniquely evil. And and I'm sorry if I'm kind of going overboard there, but I was able to, it, it helped me once the kind of pendulum kind of slowed down. I was even scared of people who were a little bit snotty. Someone is crappy to their wife. I'm like, fire them. Yeah. Can't handle it. I don't yeah. want. Only positivity around here. <laughs> right. Well, guess what? I've been crappy to my wife sometimes in public. That doesn't mean I'm a bad person or I'm evil. And so I think it's also kind of helpful saying like, look, not every client's perfect. Some clients are. Some clients are bad. Some clients are like, you know what? They're still reasonable, this, this, and this. And so I think what, among a lot of things, it just helped us be a lot more wise you know, prior to this lawsuit, somebody didn't want to pay a bill. I pretty much let them get away with it because, oh, I'm so afraid of this or that, the other, or I don't want a bad Yelp review. I don't want you to sue me. I don't want this. I don't mm-hmm. want that. All the things. Well, having gone to hell and back, I'm like, no, you're going to pay her. I'm going to put a lien in your house. And yeah. This other piece of paper too. And so 
We had three of those last year and it totaled $20,000. In years past, I would have let them get away with it. And I was able to say, no, this isn't going to work. This is why we actually did the work. We earned the money. You signed the contract. You need to write the check and you need to sign an NDA as well. Otherwise, we are going to put a lien on your house. And so that's probably not what all of your view listeners want to hear. But I think it, 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 when I say it made us better, it made us stronger, it made us wiser, it made us more savvy, it made us know how to stand up for ourselves. And also, when you meet the devil, next time you meet somebody who's not the devil, you're able to say, you're not the devil, because I know what the devil's like. You're, mm-hmm. you, you might have some issues, you might have a bad day, you might be a bad client, or you might not be a bad client, but you know, just because they exhibit one little thing, you know, you can kind of just discern your own PTSD and say, is that is that really a bomb or is it just a paper bag in the middle of the street? Right. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> man. Yeah, that's crazy. But it is it is so interesting, you know, just when you reflect on things that are just super challenging or a nightmare to go through. Like you, I think you said it, you said you wouldn't have traded it because you usually come out the other side stronger with lessons learned. Like now you're armed with how to handle those situations. You know what to look out for. And now you know how to play defense, protect your company, you know? So yeah, when you're going through it, <laughs> it's, it's awful, but yeah, it's always the, the perspective of the other side. When we signed the contract with that person, I knew we shouldn't sign it. And I said, but we need the money. Mm-hmm. And I've been very open with my company, my employees, my partner. Like when we have somebody come in the door, I'm like, all right, we need to figure out if we're going to let them sign a contract or not. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good way to look at it. Well, what's the company look like today and and where are you guys going in the future? What's on the horizon? So in our area, so I think our average is probably $300,000 project. Our design build process is a big part of who we are. And our feasibility study is really, really helpful to our clients in helping them determine determine which direction they want to go at the front end. I think even that last year was a lot of new parts and pieces kind of coming together. I see this year as being a good year. I think the revenue will be good. I think the net will be good. I see 2024 as being a great year. Meaning last year, we we're figuring out each other's names. This year, we're figuring out how to play as a team. Next year, I want to win the championship. And so I think that's kind of where we're at right now. In our area, what I was saying is we do most of our projects are under half a million, and that makes us kind of unique. So we do get to work with some outside architects who are typically building multi-million dollar projects, but they don't know anybody who does who works at this level who does under a million dollars. And I think this is probably common with most design build firms, but we're able to do fit this really unique niche. We're not one-man shop GC. We're not the home builder. We're not these. Uh, we're not this design company who happens to do construction. We're this very integrative design build company where we hold those two things in kind of a balance: design, quality, budget, really, really well. And so we serve a lot of people in that who are who are building anywhere from two to four hundred thousand dollars worth of work. And it's not like Architectural Digest. It's not $400,000 in a powder bath, but that $400,000 is going to touch enough of the home and make a big enough impact and change things enough where their whole life is different and where they would have moved in a year or two. Now they can stay for 10 to 20 years. And while it was a big investment up front, it pays for itself in terms of enjoyment and ability to stay because you know houses aren't getting really any cheaper. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. No, that's awesome. I think yeah, when you can find that, that niche, you know, like you said, it makes a lot of things easier because you kind of, you start to own it a lot more and then you just carve down that path deeper and deeper and deeper. So yeah, that's super cool. Well, Steven, if you could leave us with one piece of advice or final words of wisdom, there's other remodelers out there listening. What do you want to leave us with? There's a lot of us who are beating our heads up against the wall, trying to become something we're not. Because to own a remodeling company means you got to wear a dozen hats. And you can't always hire every single position. But I think you can work towards figuring out how to maximize your strengths and hire to your scissor opportunities. And I do think considering a partnership, which I think is anathema in the industry for people to think about, I got to own my own companies, blah, blah, blah. I think there's a lot more opportunities for people to join forces. You know, I think of me and my wife, we are really great parents. By myself, I probably wouldn't be. (laughs) But together we are. And so I think there's a lot of remodelers like me who should probably rethink should I join with some other team group or people or even equity partners to kind of round this thing out so that we can get where we want to go better? You know, can you get to where you want to go by yourself? Sure. But it might be hell. It might kill you. It might take twice as long. Yeah. No, that's great advice. Yeah. I I think you said it earlier and kind of tied it back in, but you can't do it all by yourself. And so, yeah. And if you have some key people that are also equally as invested or close to to that, then it makes things easier. So Stephen, thanks so much for sharing your time and your story with us today. Thanks, Spencer. Thanks for tuning in to Remodeler Stories. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and leave us a review. Every month we pick a winner and send out a free copy of my book, The Remodeler Marketing Blueprint. Just leave a review over on iTunes to enter to win. See you next time.